The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Today is uh, December 27th, 2012, two days after Christmas, and uh, can we say that this Christmas was the same as 2011 or 2010 or any year before that? Most people who are praying know that the times that we are living in are different and that the times are changing very quickly. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Have we reached the tipping point? What does that even mean? What does it mean by the phrase, the proverbial saying, finally the straw that broke the camel's back after he's had tons and tons of straw put on him? So where are we going? Where are we headed in 2013? Is it a scary road and path? Most certainly it is. Or our lady would never have said for the one who fasts is not afraid of evil. The one who prays is not afraid of the future. Or vice versa. She said these things because there's a reason to be frightful. 
And after our inauguration this January, I think it's the 20th, you're going to see a lot of things unfold very quickly. Covertly to start with. But they eventually manifest. Because those who make war started in the heart. And for those who've read They Fired the First Shot, which is a required reading if you're in the Medjugorje world, if you have Baptists reading it, Mormons reading it, atheists reading this book, why have you not who found Our Lady? It's pertinent daily content, the content of the day, rather, or the messages and where we're headed. And we're at a tipping point. The thing that's going to happen is going to be tipping against us. But what will be our reaction? Our lady last month said, November 25th, not this December 25th, November 25th, 2012, I am with you and I protect you from the rain of your sins. An incredible thing. I see what's coming, she says. You're headed for trouble. You have rain in your future. But I'm here to protect you of what you do. You're going to get due process. You're going to be able to appeal to me and use God's mercy. And that's what our lady said yesterday to Yaakov. To surrender. And to be able to live God's mercy because Jesus wants to give us this. It's very important, urgently important, that we recognize the signs of the times in this moment so that we can make the decisions and know what to do to react and counteract to within the, when the tempting point happens. This is a, an address that Archbishop Fulton Sheen gave on January 21st, 1940, entitled The Unity of Mankind in the Midst of World War II. And he states, One of the greatest paradoxes of our times is that as mankind is drawn closer and closer mechanically, it has grown further and further apart spiritually. Radio, telephone, telegraph, the airplane have pulled men together spatially, but at a moment when men have lost all common ideals and purposes. The, ex the explanation is simple. We have lost the unifying bond of the spiritual. A scientist can bring together in his laboratory every chemical constituent of the, of the human body, but he cannot make a man. What these chemicals are without a soul, that our civilization is without God. The wildest fallacy of our generation lies in the attempt to create a brotherhood of man without the fatherhood of God. There are two difficulties often urged in wartime against the unity of man. The first is directed against unity under the fatherhood of God. That is, if God is all-powerful, why does he not stop the war? As H.G. Wells has phrased it, If I thought there was an omnipotent God who looked down on battles and deaths and all the waste and horror of this war, able to prevent these things, doing this to amuse himself, I would spit in his empty face. Could God stop this war? Could he prevent a Hitler or a Stalin from choosing a politics of power rather than a politics of justice? 
Could he force peace upon all the nations tomorrow? Most certainly, but only on one condition, by destroying human freedom. What Wells is asking is that God create man free to choose, yet incapable of choosing wrong. This is equivalent to asking that God make man free and slave at the same time, which is sheer irrationality and therefore contrary to the nature of God, which is reasonable and true. Furthermore, this question assumes that wars are of God's making and not man's. On the contrary, a war is often the result of sin, which is the abuse of freedom. The only times some men, like Wells, ever think of God is when they want to find someone to blame for their own sins. Without ever saying so, They assume that man is responsible for everything good and beautiful in the world, but God is responsible for its wickedness and its wars. God to them is like their dentist. They think of him only when they have a toothache. With this difference, they blame God for the toothache. They ignore the fact that God is like a playwright who wrote a beautiful drama and gave it to men to act with all the directions for acting, and they made a botch of it. Do we not see that it is only in the world of freedom that we can be patriots and martyrs? That a man can be a hero on a battlefield only where it is possible to be a coward? And a man can be a saint only in a church where it is possible for him to be a devil? Shall we boast of our power to make bombs and then spit in God's face because they explode? Shall we forget the goodness of God who gave us the blessing of freedom? And curse him because we misuse it? Shall man be praised for his sacrifices? And God be cursed for making sacrifice possible through freedom? Shall we drink the poison? And then blame God because it takes effect? There is the answer to the question. Why does not God stop war? Because he could do so only at the cost of destroying freedom. He allows wells to blaspheme that the rest of us might not be denied the privilege of love, sacrifice, and heroism. Furthermore, God did not stop start this war. Man did. Let man finish it, therefore, by restoring himself to the justice and charity of God. Hate evil and love good and establish judgment in the gate. For God wills not the death of the server, but that he should be converted to God's ways and live. When we began a show, actually, I said just before this began, I said, what are we going to talk about today? Nobody said anything, so I knew Joan had picked this mess, this, uh, gave me this story she just read from Bishop Sheen to review. So sometimes, as I often do, I just open and cut the Bible. And I opened up to Maccabees. Of course, Bishop Sheen said, war is a result of sin, which is the re- which is the abuse of freedom. But it says King Antiochus to Simon had written, rather he had written to him, to Simon the high priest, and to the nations of the Jews greetings, where certain pestilent men had gained control of the kingdom of our fathers, and I intend to lay claim to the kingdom, so that I may restore it to its formal as it was formerly was. And have recruited a host of mercenaries and troops to have equipped warships. And intend to make a landing in the country 
so that I may proceed against those who have destroyed our country and those who have just demonstrated or rather have devastated many cities in our kingdom. And so it is we have a surrogate system in our nation. And they push and they push and they push. And what have they done? Our Lady says, February 25th, 2007, Do not forget, little children, your freedom is your weakness. Therefore, follow our messages with seriousness. I told Visca in 1990, when I started to speak to you and call you to peace, you thought everything was calm, and there was no need to pray in a special way for peace. The absence, absence of peace was in the hearts. Now the absence of peace has come into the world. And Visca goes on to tell us, the war manifests after it's in the heart. And all this, of course, is taken advantage of by the people who use freedom to their reign and the reign of us who sinned. And so Our Lady tells us in her apparition yesterday through being silent while Jesus speaks who says as an infant with very important tones in his voice as she describes it a very significant authority but with a little boy's voice says, I am your peace. Live my commandments. So everything we suffer at this moment, everything we're going through, is the result of our sins, the result of not following God's ways. <clears throat> and it's amazing, all the financial reviews and the papers and the, the discussions and, and all these things. And sometimes people hit on it. That this is a result of, of us not being honest, result of this overtaxation, which also is a result of sin. You become oppressed by government. Here in Maccabees, it says, I want to reform our country back to its former glory, in other words. Restore it. The king's going to get mercenaries, have equipped warships. And that's the tipping point. What's coming against us this year in 2013? How will we react War is ugly. The Revolutionary War started with a tea tax. That was a tipping point. The Boston Tea Party. It's always got to involve money. Almost every war does. So don't think our financial situation won't lead to something horrendous, awful. But it's often disguised in band-aids the wound underneath. The problem is sin. The solution is no sin. All our solution needs to be is live my commandments. The babes of the truth. He himself who is truth told us this yesterday. So in your family, in your heart, in your area, your village, your community, you've got to put in store a re in restoration the Ten Commandments as principles. And this advantages everybody, the believer, the non-believer, the Jew, the Christian, Muslim, whoever it may be, nobody will be hurt by this. As I said last night on the 25th show, put the Ten Commandments in your town. 
Put it in the court square. Forget what the, the godless courts say and the rationalization of the Christians who hold that position and say, well, it's separation of church and state. All law today from this nation comes from the Ten Commandments. So the Supreme Court, in the back of the Supreme Court, when you go in the building, the big steps, the front nobody uses is off the mall area. The mall's area where the, the Washington Monument and everybody walks down through. You walk up the steps, there's the Ten Commandments. Centered, not off to the side, because all law comes from that. So put the Ten Commandments up. Put it on the public right-of-ways. But what good is a sign? I saw a store the other day I passed it said at the top of it on a banner. But Jesus back in Christmas. What good is putting the Ten Commandments if you don't have it in the heart? What good is it putting a banner up if you don't have Jesus in the heart? You want to put Jesus in Christmas, first it's got to be in the heart. The commandments have to be lived by us, and then nobody will have the authority, as this little infant said yesterday, with the tone of authority, very profound, powerful, live my commandments. Don't dare take this down. Just your authority to say such and have such is if you got it in the heart. So this is where we start. This is where we fix the economy. This is where we have God's going to provide for us. This is where we're going to have the war that's coming end. Because we're in war. We might as well face it. We've got a surrogate system which has taken over our government as a result of sin. Until we get this principle, all the financial plans, all the hedge funding, all the investments, all those little things that we come up with, which are useless and to no avail, it will lead to more disasters until we just get simple and say, it's for me and my house, we should serve the Lord, Joshua. This is the answer. Frank, are you there? Yeah, it's, um, it's extraordinary the, uh, about the message. And what's, what's shocking is, is that after 23 years of following Our Lady's message, uh, it's taken that long to live the commandments. And what's, what's shocking about this message is that 10 years ago, as a daily communicant, if I would have heard this message in the 90s, um, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. I wouldn't have thought, certainly that's not meant for me. I'm living the commandments. And as I went through this journey to, um, when I first heard you talk about it before the book, uh, Look What Happened While You're Sleeping, uh, I started talking to my franchisee about allowing us to close on Sunday. He wouldn't let us. And it took a long time. We're a multi-unit franchise owner at the time when the, when the book was being written. And so it took all that time, and, and through the whole process, most of the Christians that I knew told me I was wrong, even to the very end. They said, you know, God wouldn't want you to do this. God wouldn't want you to leave your income. And I was wired that way. You don't ever leave an income without replacing it. And that's some of the reason it took so long until finally I just had to answer, if God's children, if God's people don't love him enough to honor his commandments, Who's to blame for the problems in the world? And, you know, our economic problems are always, as you pointed out, moral problems. We, we really have uh, a moral problem. And so that's why it's so important on metagenomics to see that it's not, a, it's not a small thing to 
sweat that credit card on Sunday or just go pick up an item that, that you forgot because you have somebody coming over for dinner. This is a grave thing, and it's, it's very grave that no one is really seeing this outside those that are following the writings. That it takes Our Lady coming and not saying anything to wake us up that we're to blame. Well, the book, uh, Look What Happened While You Sleeping, was something that was desired to be written several years before that. Hey, actually, my brother would continue bombarding me about, you need to write this book about this, because I was teaching in the community. I was talking about our retreats. I was talking about it in talks. But to put it in writing, I, I never got to that. And it took probably, I would say, four years, five years maybe. But really what had to happen is we had to live it. It was actually Holy Spirit probably blocking me at that point. Because when this book came out, it, it resulted in tens of thousands of people starting to live the Sabbath, not going places, not traveling, not flying on Sundays. And we hear story after story constantly of, of people who have done it, even people who violate it, and then something happened on that Sunday that showed them, hey, you're not supposed to be doing this. And it's the night, it's one of the, Ten Commandments that people are willing to live nine of them or accept them, but not that one, the third. Keep the Sabbath holy. But more is written on this than anything else in, in the, of the commandments in the Bible. Deuteronomy, Leviticus, all this is based in that. And so it's our broken window. Any of the Ten Commandments will lead you to hell if you violate them. The Sabbath has led more people to hell than probably any other commandment. You think, what about that shall not kill? Well, that's... What about anger? Killing is anger. But see, you've got to understand that the consequences of breaking the Sabbath lead to all the other commandments being broken. You'll start breaking the other commandments. You think, what's the big deal? Just going to get something on Sunday or um, a gallon of milk. That's going to lead me to hell? It leads you to the violation of, of desynthesization and normalizing of something in the culture that leads to everything else. And it will lead to hell. And it has led to hell. And it's a ruination of our nation. And we're not going to fix this nation until we fix the Sabbath. And I won't go too much in detail of that, but it's economics. You know, we think about this devil, and we think about the sins and, and really heinous things that he does, and the debauchery, and, and the Connecticut shooting, and the, the devil. Uh, all this involved in how much evil is, and yet, the Antichrist, his kingpin rule is, is financial. 666, you'll be able to neither buy nor sell if you're not the mark of the beast. See, we go the wrong way. We go to things in witchcraft or whatever we look at or, or horrible things of the devil thinking this is a, his is really something mild in some sense. And so the Sabbath is something mild in our sense of the Ten Commandments. But I tell you, it's the one that's violated because it's not accepted by most Christians. I've had people repeatedly after reading the book went to confess in confession this sin and the priest said, you're not sinning. You're not sinning going to a movie on Sunday or going out to eat on Sunday. I would say back to that priest, you don't know what you're talking about. I respect you because you're standing for Christ, but you're speaking as man right now. You don't have the Holy Spirit in you. Convict them. Explain it. Read the book. It's time the pulpit start ringing out. A call to this by a priest in the pulpit would change this nation. 
just like the court confession, which is repentance. We're in violation, and the whole nation falls because of this. Until we understand these things, nothing else will be fixed. Frank, where's Silver doing at this moment? Well, uh, Silver's being uh, manipulated. There's a manufactured takedown, uh, mostly in defense of the dollar, when the, the dollar starts to decline. And it's it's a thinly traded market, so they can take advantage of this. It's providing us a tremendous opportunity. Uh, as always, there's nothing real to these these uh, takedowns. It's blatantly obvious. Uh, now um, many people are writing about them. They're just uh, you know I read something Jim, Jim Sinclair wrote about this that it's just uh, you know totally manufactured uh, defense of the dollar and something we should definitely take advantage of as. You said, you know, um, all these hedge funds and mutual funds, and, you know, they don't do anything for the problems that we're in, but certainly the most powerful sacramental for conversion, the miraculous metal, and particularly the miraculous metal Medjugorje round will do a tremendous amount to help the world and lead us in the, in the right direction to uh, restore our nation to its former glory. And, of course, the miraculous Medjugorje round, miraculous metal Medjugorje round is for the purpose of transferring your dollars into something that you can pull it in. We put freezer in the meat. We can tomatoes. We do all these things for preservation. The dollar can't be preserved because it's not of God the way the system's set up, and it's going to collapse. You have to be thinking with the mindset, and metagenomics, what we teach here, is anticipate the need, or you're going to be in need. What's going to be needed in the future? What's going to happen? All the signs are there. As Ezekiel said, war starts from the heart. Once it's in the heart, it manifests. So we see everything coming down. We see our nation needs to be a tipping point, that some other tipping point can come counter that, to restore it back to its values and its founding principles. And it's not going to be without great difficulty and great tragedy. It's not just going to be peaceful, it may not be in the war context of what we think. It may not be, many being, of course, thinking in the worlds and trying time and tribulation, but we're going to live through this. Some are going to die through this, whatever it's going to be. But one thing's for certain. Our Lady said at the year 2000, five days before the year was going to come, the new possibility of peace opens up for you this century. That's her plan. And the devil got as his plan. That's why our Lady Jesus said yesterday, or Christmas Day, a couple of days ago, I am your peace. So we can accept all this neutrality about Jesus can't be this, the Ten Commandments can't be in the public square. Throw this stuff out. It's time that we trample on this, the courts. We go against them. They're in violation of law. Just because they rule something doesn't mean it's right. You don't have to do it. You have to go back to the mindset of the other Christians. Or Peter and John, when they were hauled in before this assembly, they said, don't talk about Jesus anymore. They got a lashing, and they went out, and before they even hardly got out in the court square, they're talking about Jesus. Stop conforming to evil. Stand against it. And so you anticipate the future needs. Are you really going to be in need? Frank, what's your contact information? You can contact us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com, and our webpage is globalsilverinvestors.com. 
at the end of the year, of course, you turn, turn into any, any religious program and they're all asking for donations. And it's because people are the most generous at this time of the year. And for good reason. People have to do it for tax purposes. People feel more inclined with their heart to give. America is the most generous nation there is. But we compete for those dollars of donations to operate. But I don't want to put it in a position to compete. It's just where can the dollar do the most. And I can tell you through any mission out there, there's no mission that can do what this mission does. You've seen it. It's been proven in the back of any material that you get from us. You get three or four dollar booklets, even five dollar booklets for 15 cents. Whatever the paper costs, and, and even if the paper costs more, we just flat rate it at that price. It's subsidized from first people being field angels. For 2013, you need to be a part of that. You need to be part of the mercenaries and Maccabees. The king says he recruited a host of mercenaries, troops, and equipped with warships. We're the warships. You're the mercenary. You need to realize we're in war. This material is proven over and over and over to bring people to conversion, change their lives radically, and literally save people from the fires of hell. I always remember one wife, she says, you saved me from hell. Of course, it wasn't us. It's God's grace. But God's grace has to be delivered through some kind of mechanism, vehicle, radio, radio show, or some material in the back of a church. It's proven beyond a doubt. We have tens of thousands that have gone through radical conversions. We've had hundreds of thousands that, that follow us. We've had literally millions that have had some kind of contact about Medjugorje through what we put out through the years. Do you have your thought that's exaggeration? We're very instrumental in 2020 ABC in a positive show. It was so positive that the main producer called me right before it went on the air that Barbara Walters and Hugh Downs at the time had seen it and the producers with them felt it was not objective enough. And I purposely didn't get a permit to go to Most Order to talk to the bishop, knowing that they couldn't go there because the communists at the time wouldn't let them. There was some tact involved, very conniving, be clever like a dove, the Bible says. And I knew that was going to come up. In Medjugorje, he asked me, okay, let's go to Most Order to see the bishop. I said, oh, you can't go there. You can't have a permit. It takes 15 days to get a permit. Checkmate. So the show is so positive that the day before, they said, we've got to have some more objectivity to it. 30 million people watch this show. The highest rated is that point. So we don't do anything with that thinking and anticipating a need. That was ABC's need. They didn't meet that need. It came to God's advantage. And so it is. We ask you to fund this mission because there's projects we have on hold for two years, three years. There's things we can't do. We can't move toward until we have the funding to do it. Anybody that knows us, anybody that's been here, sees the fruit and how we can produce and output things so cheap so for, so for so little money. And we want it to be that way. We feel very inclined that it has to be that way. So people won't associate Medjugorje as a money thing. Somebody in the Medjugorje world once says, well, you're taking a lot of money. I says, you bet we do. And we'll take in 10 times if we can get it. Because what we do with it is what's the, what's the result. And so we're unashamed. Those who know us and have given for years know that. But we ask you to put this mission, Caritas, as a priority. There's things that we cannot do 
that we must do, meds.com. It struggles. The support people put into it isn't there to meet the full need of what needs to be done. We need to really put somebody full-time on it. There's a lot more we can give to this, to meds.com or medjugorje.com. So the funding has to be there. And I'm not saying this is one appeal toward the end of the year. I'm not saying something that is just a shot in the arm. Continually keep this in your heart. Sign up as a fellow angels for a monthly contribution. Call Caritas. We start answering phones January 3rd. Sign up as a core group Medjugorje supporter, Medjugorje.com, core group member. We only ask 14 cents a day to keep Medjugorje.com going. And it's way underfunded. We're not meeting that because we haven't made the plea. We hate asking for money. But money is necessary to drive this. But remember, when you give a dollar, we don't have anything, not one dime borrowed from a bank or any other institution. We pay as we go. God doesn't provide the money. We don't do it. All the equipment here, the building, the grounds, everything is paid for. And every project we do has to be paid for or we don't do it. And that's why we have things waiting in line to do. And that's up to you. So encourage everybody that loves Medjugorje, loves Our Lady, to support a system that brings conversion as a vehicle of the distribution of God's grace. Frankie, the last word? Amen. You know, it's the uh, most important mission on earth. It's been the most important mission to me. Where would we be without it? It's uh, scary to think. So, uh, you know, the, the best investment in the world as I've said and nobody's ever asked me to say, is uh, being a field angel, uh, you're prayed for daily, you get uh, things sent to you monthly, you're the first one notified when things happen in Medjugorje, uh, and to get behind this mission and be a part of it and be a part of what they're doing to evangelize and feed the world is a glorious vocation. So uh, I would just say amen to those things. Uh, we, uh, we love you, and we love being a part of what you're doing. We wish you and your family a Merry Christmas, Frank, and everybody out there. And we'll be talking to you on the second of the month in a few days from now. as great anticipation going into this 2013 year. We love you. We wish you, Our Lady. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.